Hello and welcome to this episode of the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. Uh, I'm Peter Bagshaw, GP and Somerset Lead for Mental Health, and I'm delighted to be joined by our guest today, Patrick East. So, Patrick, tell us a little bit about yourself. Peter, my name. I'm 52 years old. I live in Taunton. Work at Musgrove Park Hospital in the endoscopy department. I'm a decontamination technician. And also I have a stammer. And our title today is Communication and Wellbeing. So we're delighted to have you. You have that inside information on how difficulties with communication can cause problems with uh, with well-being, I guess. So tell us what you're comfortable with, with about your journey uh, getting a stammer. When did it start and how, how have you dealt with it? Well, my stammer started when I was four or five. So really, it's been as long as I've known about it, as long as I can remember. And yeah, my entire my entire life has been yeah as a stammerer. Um, in particular, it affected my my social interactions at school. Yet the yet the old going around in a circle reading from a book and yeah, just things like that was an absolute nightmare at school. Mm. And that's a fairly typical age for a developmental stammer to begin, isn't it? And worth saying that uh, um, about 8% of children go through a short period of stammering between the ages of two and five, but only about 2% of those will go on to stammer and, and then it's usually lifelong. Um, three quarters of male, and about 60% have a family history. So I don't know if that's true with yourself. My oldest brother, Kevin, he he used to have a primary stammer. So basically, as you described, a stammer from an early age, which then he got rid of. And that's what normally happens, as you said, to the primary stammerers. And that goes on to secondary stammering, which is what I have, which is basically a lifelong stammer. My sons, Tom and Oliver. Tom is 23. He has a stammer. And Oliver, he had a stammer from about the age of three or four, and he grew out of it. Interesting. So very strong family history there. And I think that reinforces the the fact that stammering is a neurological condition. It's a physical condition. It's not caused by anxiety, although, of course, anxiety can make it worse. So. Tell us how it affected you as a child. I, I imagine it must have been very difficult in the rough and tumble of a, a classroom. Oh, definitely so. As I said earlier on, it was it really held me back at school and socially as well. And being asked a question, it was much, much easier for me to either sit there and look dumb or be dumb, mute, whatever you want to call it, and not answer the question. And it was for me to try and answer it but then stammer and look like what I would consider to be a fool. So, yeah, that was you know, a real a real hindrance for me at school, definitely. I mean, I'm not trying to, not trying to put, you know, put anything more on that, really, because it was you know, something in, in, my, in my own perception of how other people saw me, which I guess is you know, the same for everybody. You know, we all perceive what people think of us and what we think of ourselves and what we think of what people think about us as well. So the perception thing is a real big thing and, yeah, leads to anxiety, leads to 
you know, can lead you know, in some cases to really very traumatic incidences, sometimes even people taking their lives. So, you know, it's an awful, awful thing. I can imagine that. And I think anyone who's watched the King's Speech will know the, the huge impact that it can have and how difficult it can make life. What strategies did you find? You said you sort of tended not to speak up. Are there any other tips that you can give to people to help if they've got a stammer? Oh, goodness. <clears throat> Looking back as someone with a stammer is, you know, give yourself time. And it's really a case of, you know, as we learn, I'm a member of the McGuire programme, and as we learn on the programme, you know, if you resist time pressure, it's one of the first things that's on our checklist of things to do to work on our speech. You resist time pressure. Speak when you're ready. Speak with smiling effects as well, because if you smile, even if it's a forced smile, it changes your, your inner perception and also what other people are looking at too. So it makes them feel good about things as well. So if you smile, you give off a good aura and the people around you who are communicating with you too, also you know, stop the smile too. If, you know, if they're empathetic, they'll be smiling too. And you know, yeah, give yourself time. I mean, you know, I, spent, I spent a lot of time... You know, slapping my leg to get words out trying to be really really quick speaking very very fast trying to get words out basically and then you know sitting back and thinking please don't ask me to say that again because i can't i can't without them to without them to rush through those words again and you know fall over my speech that's interesting so give yourself time which is difficult when you're feeling anxious isn't it yeah um I, I don't know if it's true. I, I read somewhere that Churchill had a mild stammer and he turned it into these pauses that looked as though he was reflecting. I, I don't know if, if that's correct. You know better than me. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As I said to you earlier on, my, my oldest brother, Kevin, he had a stammer too when he was younger and he used the pause to great effect. And a lot of the people on the Maguire programme, and I try and do some myself, if you use a pause, let it go for as long as you possibly can without feeling too uncomfortable. But if you pause, it makes people stop and think, ah, this person is reflecting on what they're saying. This person is giving some real thought to their, their speech and their words. And that's a, a wonderful thing because yeah, it makes you go, it makes people sit up and listen. And they, they really do want to hear what you've got to say. That's, that's a very clever way of uh, of using a disadvantage and turning it into something positive isn't it absolutely yeah we'll we'll maybe touch on um different treatments there's there's no cure is there no cure no we'll maybe touch on on different approaches but you've mentioned the mcguire program a couple of times so do you want to tell us a bit a bit more about that and what the basis of it is yeah absolutely yeah yeah i joined the mcguire program back in march 2008 uh, up until then yeah i've been a out of control stammerer and you know went through my life through school as i said you know, being very anxious very nervous uh, social situations were very difficult for me speaking to members of the opposite sex was awful so my my dating life was particularly particularly unfortunate <laughs> but i hope um but yeah i i joined the program in 2008 when i was about 36 37 
and went on my first course. The first course as a new student was a new, yeah, as a new student, a newbie. You go on there and one of the first things you're told to do or you're asked to do on the program is is to have a interview recorded of you speaking. So, so there's somebody sat in front of you asking you questions, your name, your address, telephone number, all those things that you can't avoid. You can't avoid your name. It's one of the things that, well, probably most stammerers would go, I hate my name because you can't avoid it. You know, yes, you can shorten it, Pat East, Patrick East, Paddy, whatever. Now, I can shorten my name, but in the end, it's my name. Uh, so P sounds were particularly difficult for me. And so, yeah, so I had to work quite a lot on P sounds. We were working on my name, working on all sorts of words. But yeah, so yeah, so you had that first that initial interview and ask questions, and that's just dreadful. <laughs> but at the end of that, when everyone's finished, when all the new students have finished doing their first interviews, you say, right, that's the last time we'll expect you to speak not being in control. From now on, you will speak only in control. And then the following, the following day is sort of starts off with what they call physical Thursday. And you learn about the physical weapons. There's four physical weapons in the Maguire program. There's the coastal breath, which basically is using the, the costal part of your diaphragm. So it's the part that is attached to the bottom of your ribs. And it's what singers use if you're exercising out of breath, whatever. If you're singing, opera singers use it. It gives you all that power. So you're using your speech or your diaphragm, your breath, to really project your voice. That's a really powerful weapon. Second weapon is the hit and hold. So you're using that first sound of a word as a... Particular, particularly words that you don't find difficult because that way you learn to control it. But you use the first sound of a word to, to really emphasize that sound so you can speak in control. Third weapon is block release, stammering on purpose. Yeah, you're in control. Your stamina isn't in control. The final physical weapon is physical weapon is deep and breathy tone. This relaxes the vocal cords and the articulators, taking attention away from those, and also allowing you to speak in control. So those are the four big physical weapons. And and that theme of being in control is so important, isn't it, when, when we're struggling with anything. If we can bring back control, even in a small way, that makes it so much easier to, to deal with. So if people want to know more about this programme, is it available through the NHS? Can be people be referred? Do you have any, um, any sort of points of connection for the programme? Yeah, of course there is, yeah. Yeah, there's a, a link, website, sorry, www.maguireprogram.com. That's Maguire, M, M small, M small C, 
capital G U Y R E. Program is P R O G R A M M E, and it's .com. That's a that's our website, and we'll give you the <coughs> insights to the regional directors of wherever you are in the world, because it's a worldwide setup. It's particularly in the UK, but yeah, it's all over. It's all over the world, Australia, the Netherlands, Germany, Benelux. You know, it's just all over the world, America. Fantastic. And we'll put that link in the show notes. Um, any other programmes that, that are useful that do a similar job? Or would you say that's the primary one? No, that's the one that I, I joined. And, you know, it's, I, can't, I can't be a, be a stammerer and, and you know, Say enough really about the Maguire program, but there are other other places to go to. There's the Starfish Project as well. I don't know a lot about them apart from the fact that their technique is very, very similar to ours. <clears throat> um, there's the Michael Palin Center. That's more, I believe, for younger kids. The Maguire program is really attuned to adults. We do have we do have kids that come on the program too. We have, I think our youngest person that joined the program was joined a course was eleven. But really, you know, it's really depends on. It depends really on the, um, on the child. The child has to have, has to really re want it, and there are lots of questions, and so they're vetted really to make sure that things are are. Um, are okay and that they'll be happy to join the program because it is long days. Starts at eight o'clock, eight in the morning, finishes nine, nine, nine thirty, maybe even ten o'clock some days. So long days. Wow. That's that's a huge commitment. And how long does the course last for? Or does it just take as long as it takes? When I first started, it was a four-day course. So you go there on a Wednesday. You get there Wednesday. You start Wednesday evening. That first interview would happen. Then you go through basically till Sunday lunchtime will be the going home speeches. So yes, yeah, so four days worth of four days worth of um, of work. Yeah. Wow. And you mentioned Michael Palin, who um, I presume that's the Michael Palin of, of Monty Python fame. <laughs> yes, um, it is. Yeah. Around, around the world, and he is a stammerer, isn't he? I don't believe he is. No, his father certainly was. Oh. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so we'll, we'll put those notes up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just to sort of say that, yeah, it's been mentioned there that, uh, that Michael Palin was that, or did he set that up after official wonder? Because in the official wonder, he was, you know, his character, uh, I think it was Ken. He had a, a dreadful stammer, really, really very overt stammer. And yeah, he didn't have a stammer though, yeah, but his father did. That's what was confusing me. Yes, of course. And I mean, that raises a, an interesting question in that that was used for comic effect and, and stammering has been. And that that's pretty horrible, actually, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you, you know, if you allow it to get to you, yeah, it, it, you know, it can be. You know, I, I was in the playgrounds, you know, I had lots of lots of ribbing, you know, lots of what do you want, Patrick? You know, that sort of stuff. And it was all, you know, yeah, there was but kids can be cruel. Yeah, Absolutely. Most people, you know, I mean, one of the things we do on the Maguire program is on the on the Saturday, the, the penultimate day, we're challenged. We, you know, we've 
been through learning the physical weapons, learning the psychological weapons, lots and lots of practice, going over your name, over your address, all those things, learning about various things to do with the program. And the final challenge really is to is to go out uh, with the aid of a, of a coach, go out into the onto the streets of, a, of the town that you're in, the, ho- the hotel is based in, and make 100 contacts, so speak to 100 people. And you know, either ask them directions to Debenhams, ask them the time, whatever it is. You know, working on those words or those those feelings that really make you really anxious. So, so yeah, you know, really getting getting the practice in to really show you that you can that you can do something about your stammer. It isn't just a question of being locked in and having to sit in your bedroom worrying about what people think about you. And again, I think that's advice that would apply to anyone who's got any sort of difficulty is, is try to challenge it and face up to it rather than run away from it, which is so tempting to do, isn't it? Oh, totally, yeah. I mean, lots and lots of times when I've just, just avoided a situation, avoided the conversation because I didn't want to look stupid. Mm. Or I didn't want to feel stupid. Mm. Yeah. So we've, we've talked about horrible things that people can say. What advice would you give to people who... Uh, come in contact with a, a stammerer, either somebody they know or somebody they just meet um, socially. Are, are there particular ways of dealing with that? I know a lot of people will kind of jump in and try and complete somebody's word for them. Is, is that a, a good thing or a bad thing? On the whole, I mean, people mean well. Yeah. Going back to my contact session, the, the beauty is, is, that, is that most people are nice. Most people will give you the time of day. They'll give you time to speak. If you explain to them that you have a stammer, you know, then that's a really good opening because you've already told people that you have a stammer. It's one of the things that we use on the McGuire program. We disclose, I have a stammer. Patrick is my name. Please give me some time to speak. Ooh. What I have to say is, I believe worth listening to, and yeah, thank them for their time. But yeah, most people would be more than happy to listen to you, more than happy to listen to me, and um, and yeah, yeah. In general, yeah. But if you meet someone with a stammer, I mean, finishing their words. Finishing the sentences. I mean, you might get that wrong, of course. You might say the wrong words. They might be trying to get out a completely different words to what you think they're trying to get out. And you know, albeit with the best will in the world, with the best, the best thoughts in the world, yeah, don't finish the sentences because you might be doing them an injustice. You might make them feel a bit stupid. I know that I did when people did that for me. Me and my family, yeah, very, very supportive. But yeah, but if you get you know, if you do get someone finishing your words for you, that puts you on the sideline, puts you to one side, and you, know, you want to be, you want to be included in conversations because you know what you have to say is just as relevant as what somebody who can speak a thousand words in one breath has got to say as well. You know, without even thinking about it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of the Radio 4 uh, disability programme, Does He Take Sugar?, which is based on the fact that people with any sort of disability often get talked about rather than talked to and ignored. So 
that's important advice. Our producer David has um, put in the the chat that uh, Gareth Gates is another famous stammerer, and of course he's he's a great singer. So it, does singing help stammering? Do you think it it was used, wasn't it, in the King's Speech as a as one of the ways of overcoming it? Yeah, yeah. I think that goes back really to the to, you know, to the use of the costal diaphragm. You know, using that power, opera singers singers in general, you know, they use that. Gareth Gates is actually a member of the McGuire program. And he he was the instructor on the second course I went on, actually. Uh, yeah, he's a really nice guy. Speaks well. And yeah, he's a good guy. He's a really, really good front man for the Maguire programme too. Yeah. He's regularly on television. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that can make such a difference, can't it? If we've got people who are uh, well-known, who are willing to come out and say, I've got this problem. Yeah. Listen to me. Yeah. They're yeah. great ambassadors. Oh, definitely so. Yeah, you've got Gareth Gates, Kelly Brown, who was the, the an ex-Saracens player, also the ex-Scottish rugby union captain. He's another Maguire. Graham Duffin, he was a guitarist in Wet Wet West, the pop band from back, well, they still are a band now. But most famous back in the 1980s, 1990s as well. Um, as you rightly said, Winston Churchill, Marilyn Monroe, Emily Blunt, Stammerer, um, Ed Sheeran, Stammerer. Um, yeah, lots and lots and lots of us. Interesting you say that. I'm... I'm a left-hander, which is much less of a, a handicap, though it can be a nuisance sometimes. And, and you do tend to sort of collect these famous people who had the same issue as you, don't you, in order to boost your self-esteem. I don't know if that's if that's something you think is is useful for anyone to do, whatever their problem. I'm not sure, really. I mean, it's <clears throat> it's just good the fact that the fact that they they're there, they're putting themselves out there. You know, um, Kelly Brown the uh, Saracens player. He's now part of the Saracens coaching team. And he'll very often, during a Saracens match, he'll be called on by the by the, um, by the B- yeah, BT Sports. Sorry to do any promotion. <laughs> Not intentional. <laughs> BT Sports um, interviewers, they, they'll, you know, they get someone off the sidelines for, from each of the clubs. And yeah, Kelly Brown regularly speaks on BT Sports um, and you know, whichever, whichever other other, um, other network are showing the, the match as well. So, you know, it's it's good to hear people who have a stammer stand up and say, you know, I've got a stammer, you know, but it hasn't held me back. I've done this. I've become the you know, become the Scot- Scottish rugby union captain. I'll play for Saracens. I'm now part of the coaching team, albeit because I have a stammer. You know, in spite of the stammer, I've done something with my life. You know, so that's a that's a really really that's a positive message. Mm. Yeah. Are there any programs or books or literature or anything that that people can turn to that might uh, might inspire them? Yeah, there are. Yeah, um, oh, goodness me, you've put me on the spot now. Um, well, I, I, again, our producer has happily put in. I talk like a river. Uh, Jordan Scott. So I don't know if that's one you're familiar with. I, I hadn't come across it before, I'm afraid. No, neither have I, to be fair. Um, yeah, there's feel the feel the fear and do it anyway. 
Oh, that's a great one. And that's that's good for all sorts of things, isn't it? It is, yeah. That, that yeah. again, is saying don't run away from anxiety. Face it. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, one of our one of our Maguire's a fellow called Michael O'Shea, who's been on the program now for years and years and years. Uh, one of you know one of the um, one of the original Irish members you know, in one of the first courses in Ireland, and yeah, he wrote a book called Why I Call My Sister Harry. And you know, mm. so yeah, yeah, so that's a, another another great book, which yeah is basically talking about his you know, his his life with the stammer and what he did you know, after joining the program. And does other things as well. He's not only a, a Maguire, he's he's a real ambassador or, or a stand ambassador, as <laughs> as you can call, yeah, as you could call him. So yeah, yeah, really, really, really good. I like that phrase. That that's great. And there's a rather trite um, Roman saying, isn't there? What, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Do you think that having to deal with a stammer has made you stronger in other ways, Patrick? Or is that too simplistic? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it certainly made me. It certainly made me think about, you know, think about my life and about the fact that I don't want to be held back. I've always thought I don't want to be held back. I mean, I when I was <clears throat> when I first worked for the NHS, I I started working the sterile service department at Musgrove back in 1990, 1990, 1990 no, sorry, 92, sorry, 92 to 94, roughly. I was there for, and I then went to, to the Royal Devon and Exeter Hospital and worked in their sterile service department. And I became a, a supervisor. And of course, you regularly got to be in communication with the with the theatre, with operating theatres. So yeah, so regularly being phoned up. And you know, as I said to you before, the, the phone, I used to dread the phone ringing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, picking up the phone, Patrick is speaking, how can I help? Uh, you know, it was a bit of a bit of a dread. Some days I'd be there, just uh, uh, not being able to say a word. Just that block, complete freezing. Yeah. and yeah, it's no air coming over my vocal cords. Just you know, things like that. Yeah. It's, mm. So, in the couple of minutes we've got left, and, and I'm sad that we're coming to an end. I'd, I'd like to have uh, talked a lot longer, but it's been really fascinating listening to you and, and being inspired by your story. Are there, are there any tips that you can give to our listeners? Um, any, any last thoughts you'd like to leave them with? And if, I, if you don't mind me asking, how has it been appearing on this podcast? Because that must still be a challenge. Although I think a lot of people listening would hardly notice that you have a stamina. Oh, well, yeah, there's been a fair old few years worth of hard work on, also a coach on the program and the my course instructor intern um, start training too so you know i'm hoping to instruct the course eventually over you know in the next couple of years albeit work uh, work um what's the word oh lost the word now train of thought is completely gone work allowing that's it uh, and yeah 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 but but tip wise I mean, if you have a stammer, you know, you're not alone. You know, yes, it's 1% of the population, give or take. Yes, mostly men. As you said, it's you know, one in four stammerers is a woman. Yes, yeah, so three quarters of us are men. <clears throat> you're not alone. There are lots and lots of people. And if you reach out to the British Stammer Association, 
they they have the BSA, was their cool now stammer, S T A M A. That's their 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 logo. And you know, they've got lots and lots of advice, lots of people there, lots of mentors. And yeah, you can look around at the various treatments that are available. It's not treatment, that's the wrong word. The various therapies that are available. We're not speech therapists per se, we're and we can coach people because we know roughly what we're talking about because we're stammerers already. <clears throat> Whereas you know, most speech therapists or most most therapists aren't really in that position. You know, they're not really in a place where they can go, oh, I know exactly what you're feeling because you know, they aren't there. You know, they have you know, they have the you know, they have the the wherewithal with regards you know, to being qualified, but they don't have the experience that somebody who has a stammer has so i think that that's i think it's more there's more in learning from people who stammer than there is than is necessarily given credit and i think that's a great message for anyone whatever the problem that they've got is that they can use it as a way of helping other people with that problem mm. so that's a fantastic message and i i think uh, you know, a great message to end on that you're not alone is is a brilliant message so Thank you very much indeed, Patrick, for your time and for being a brilliant guest on the show. That's very good. Really appreciate it. Just to say, uh, yeah, going back to your, to your your final question, yeah, really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. And yes, it is a challenge. I mean, I've I've done a few interviews. I've done some stuff on radio before. I've um, also uh, had an interview with my local paper, the Somerset County Gazette, as well. So you know, I've done some things. Uh, but yeah, it's always a challenge. It's always really, really nice to be to be challenged in my speech because you know, we are changed by what we do and absolutely yeah. you've, you've given some great great food for thought there as, as well uh, so thank you for rising to the challenge and being a fantastic guest thank you and thank you everyone for listening you've been listening to the somerset emotional well-being podcast hosted by dr andrew Trisider and dr peter bagshaw the show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.